many times I always tell my clients when your posture starts to fall apart, probably the intensity of the exercise is too, too challenging. So now that leads into, can you maintain that? Because how do you know when the intensity is too high? Well, you're starting to compromise it with your, your alignment and your posture. We're back for uh, part two of the motion creates positive emotion, moving and talking about exercise and movement and what it can do for our mind, what it can do for our body. If you haven't listened to part one, highly recommend part one first. If not, I'll give you a quick recap. We talked about many different things, but number one, that movement really can be powerful for what it does to our mind. So motion creates positive emotion. We talked about the five things that get in the way. Number one, people value moving the body and their health, but they may believe that they have to do something crazy or not something that they enjoy. Two, focus too much on the now. What's it going to do for me now versus compound interest? Three, the knowledge, not knowing exactly what to do or thinking they have to do something that they really don't. Number four is a big one, time. I don't have enough time to move my body. We all have plenty of time to move our body. Don't always have time maybe for a structured one-hour exercise class. And then five, finding that enjoyment. Those are the five things that get in the way of moving our body. Um, today in part two, we're going to talk about you know the rest of the move methodology that we teach. Um, both of us are exercise physiology background Um but I think what we're going to get into today are things that we learned outside of the academia of school and really how to put it into practice. So, Dad, did I miss anything in part one? No, I think uh, just to remind everybody that 85% of the, our population does not move intentionally. And so really this is kind of the, the thought behind this 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 podcast is to help everybody understand like what why don't people move and we, we know that if you put it in a pill bottle it'd be the most prescribed medication in the world but what gets in the way and so really the be- beginning is is that the greatest benefit in, in our belief is that it, what it does for your mind so it's not just always about my body and I think you look at it differently if you come at it from that angle and so sometimes when I don't have a lot of time, as you said, one of the number four, what holds people back, I don't have a lot of time. Well, we know if we just get moving two, three, four, five minutes, that motion creates positive emotion. And then it leads into many, many other things. And I think when people don't enjoy what they're doing, they're not going to stick with it very long. And so that's really our, the, the gist of this whole two-segment podcast is we want people to understand that you know, how do you create movement that's enjoyable? Not exercise, but movement that is enjoyable, that's intentional, and that you have this greatest gift ever at our fingertips. That could lead maybe to exercise once you find something or a modality that could be more structured. Yeah, and again, sometimes when you think of, we talk a lot about play, that there's many ways to play. Like yesterday we had Brooks's birthday party. He turned two, and your kids love to jump on grandpa and you know get on my back and you know do all the fun things but that's rough and tumble play but they love it they're laughing but it's physical and so that that's everything we're talking about today it's just being more intentional about moving your body and 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 there's so many different ways to do that all right part two let's talk about 
um, posture. I think we, we hear about posture, people complain about posture, but what are we going to do about posture? When we kind of design any exercise routine or movement routine or getting people to kind of have some first self-awareness, it always begins with the, the posture. And, and take us through the five key checkpoints. Well, you just said it. The first thing that we want to create is this self-awareness that when the body gets out of alignment over time, it's, something's going to happen. And I think we all could benefit and be aware of that. So when I'm intentionally moving, you want to create this self-awareness. And, and for example, I do three basic exercises to create this awareness. The first one is the standing wall posture. So somebody just gets against the wall, they line up their the heels to the wall, the feet are together, and now we go with the five key checkpoints. The ankle, the knee, the hip, the shoulder, and the ear, when it's all lined up. And people start to realize that, wow, I can't even do that without tilting my head. Number two is now we get the arms involved. So we do the same exact movement, backs against the wall, and now we raise the arms overhead into extension. So now we see the mobility, the flexibility of the shoulder girdle and their back. And then from there, I do, um, you turn right around and I do a wall-facing posture. So you're doing the same exact movement, and then people are like, wow, I can do that. Well, they can do that because now their back's not so much involvement. So it really creates that awareness. And now we're going to try to create that alignment and be more aware of that when, we are, when we're in the, doing to any type of activity, just being more aware of it. So that's the beginning is just that self-awareness of posture and how do you, and many people drastically, can improve it. I, I, I show them I can improve that in the first session. And they're like, wow, this feels better already. I said, yeah, we just need to practice it. Three easy movements. Uh, Walt Reynolds told me something the other day. I was training with him, and he said that however you stand, sit, however your posture is, is your body's trying to be more efficient. So let's just say my right shoulder comes forward and, and down. Um, there's something that I do on a regular basis that is a repetitive motion that does that. So it's more efficient for me to be that way. doesn't mean that that's the way I'm going to feel my best or perform my best. It's just the body's mo most efficient in that. And so the key is, is maybe there's muscles that are weak or muscles that are tight or some type of impingement or <laughs> some awareness you didn't realize you're doing. And, and it's not going to fix itself necessarily just standing on the wall, but um, awareness is, is key. And again, you're just starting to train the nervous system. So now we take those, what, that awareness, and now we create movements that enhance that posture. It could be as simple as doing a standing up dog down dog, which creates more pressure in the shoulder capsule, which creates more space. Now my shoulder doesn't bother me anymore. So again, the human body is incredible. It's an ability to heal and self-correct, like Walt was talking about. That awareness, that, that compensation shows up in everybody. But then from there, is am I something getting stronger and shorter and weaker or whatever it might be? So now we create that awareness around that, and then then we can get into some specific movements that can enhance that. Well, and it when we think about posture, and sometimes people roll their eyes because what they care about maybe maybe you care about your neck or your shoulders, and do those feel okay? But we don't. It's a full chain. So let's if your ankles aren't right. You probably don't even realize, you know, the the tires are out of alignment. It's like it's like golf. It's like any sport. 
there's some basic fundamentals that are required to, to execute the outcome. So if I don't have a good grip, you're probably not going to hit the right shot. Now, if I have a, if you're following and you're playing a lot of golf and I have a really strong grip, probably easier for me to hit a draw than be almost impossible to hit a cut. So when we think about, sometimes we focus on what we're good at or what we've always done and we don't realize that we have some of these issues until it gets off the tracks. And that's why posture is such a, a, a good beginning stage because I don't know. I don't know how you I measure it, but I would say posture is at its all-time worse. Well, we're all fighting the battle of gravity. We're all fighting the battle of uh, our neck is lurched forward on yeah, our so phones all day. Forward, again, posture, we're <clears throat> sitting up straight. It's an awareness. So we can do a seated posture. We can do a laying down posture. We can do a wall posture. But again, step one is you're creating that awareness of the body's alignment. Well, I mean, nobody 15 years ago and in the, in the history of humans had a phone where they're completely mm -hmm. bent over at the neck, forward leaning, staring at for repetitive motion. Because posture doesn't happen from sitting incorrectly or standing incorrectly or texting. It comes from repeating that. So if you do it once, it's not going to hurt you. Do yeah, so it. When I worked on the assembly line at General Motors, they were really cognitive about ergonomics of the movements because we know they know they get all sorts of problems, neck, shoulder, back problems. That you repeat every day. You repeat them over and over and over. So they would teach you how to get in the car correctly. I was putting on, um, uh, I, I had put in glove boxes, and then we did it. Um, uh, cruise control and the cruise control you had to get underneath, but if you didn't slide in there correctly, your back was going to be hurting you in about half hour. <laughs> so, so it's no different during the day. We start creating compensations, and so that's part of the awareness. Just uh, during the day, am I sitting up straighter? Yeah. Where's your mouse? Where's your phone? Where's your computer? Where, those things are a big, big deal. I would say today what we're focused on is you also can get up off your chair, do a couple movements, and reset that posture that takes you less than a minute. Yeah, I was talking to Dan Bender, one of my really close friends. Him and I went to grad school at Michigan State together, and he is in the ergonomic area of Diamond LeChrysler. He just recently retired, but, you know, he used to tell me different things and how they would set, you know, how things would change over time because we know when you're sitting in a car or whatever it is, sitting at your desk, if you're in better position, Denny Hilliard talked a lot about that. You know, like when he was doing office furniture, it's all that. What's my chair? It's all that stuff. So... We're just trying to create that awareness, but in the gym or when you're exercising or moving, you know, many times I always tell my clients when your posture starts to fall apart, probably the intensity of the exercise is too, too challenging. So now that leads into, can you maintain that? Because how do you know the intensity is too high? Well, you're starting to compromise it with your, your alignment and your posture. All right, so posture is a big deal. I think it's uh, number one, self-awareness. If you're listening to this and want to know, First thing I would do is I get to a wall, put your heels to the wall, put your butt to the wall, your shoulders, and can you touch your head without um, yeah, and again, your, we have your very, chin coming we up? We have many videos. And, and back to Walt for just a second. So I remember training with Walt one time. This is Walt Reynolds. And him and I have known each other for over 30-some years. But we went in there one day, and we're working on alignment. And one of the things he was saying, so when we squatted, you know, he asked me, what's your limiting factor? And my limiting factor, I said, is why I have, I have three screws in my knee from a patella tendon rupture. And he, he asked me a couple of times, you know, would you want to improve that? And I kept saying the same thing to him that you don't quite get it. 
that I have three screws in my knee. And then he started really starting to throw things at me, self-awareness, that he says, I don't think it's your knee flexibility. I think it's your ankle flexibility. And so he started showing me different things to improve my ankle flexibility, which enhanced my overall range of motion. So again, back to alignment and posture, you know, we all have compensations and mine was in my foot. So one of the great things I show all my clients is mobility, flexibility for people in their extremities, especially as they get older. I mean, you, you used to wear orthotics quite a bit. You don't wear them anymore, do you? No, because again, back in the day, you know, here's your orthotic. I had, I had Achilles tendonitis. I played a lot of uh, basketball and handball and we did a lot of plyometrics. So again, we were overtraining and doing all sorts of stupid stuff. But that really wasn't the issue so much. Do I have alignment issues? Probably. But I really didn't. Again, Walt was the first one that taught me, let's work on your ankle mobility. Well, it's interesting. Let's just say you have, a, if you're listening, you have an orthotic where your heel is higher that takes pressure off that Achilles. So it's helping with the pain. But are you improving that flexibility of your ankle? No, no, you're actually, and that's when you see like weightlifting shoes or elevated heels. There's a lot, you know, barefoot running and, and the Vibram five fingers. Those, those kind of made some awareness that we got to have healthy feet, which leads to healthy ankles. Well, I, which well, I, I, you know, as you know, I, I've had hamstring and um, calf issues playing all sorts of sports and knock on wood. But when Walt showed me some of these things from my ankle, I started having less and less calf problems. And I remember him saying to me, you know, it's the whole chain. You know, it's from the foot hits the ground. That's where everything begins. Gary Gray used to talk about that a lot. So, again, whether it's orthotics or whatever, but let's just start with the basics. Can people lay, kneel down on the floor? I try to recommend everybody. We talked about seniors in our last one. But can everybody kneel on the floor? And then can they get their foot flat? And then they can they curl their toes underneath. If they can't do that right in that way, it starts to cramp. You're like, oh, I don't have the knee flexibility. My hips don't move correctly. And then we do the same thing with the wrist, the fingers, you know, and the hands. So that's where you begin. So when I work on wall postures, number one, again, make this simple, everybody. You get against the wall, you pay attention to that. And then from there, we get on the floor. And what does that mobility look like? And then from there, we start playing. From there on, we just, everything starts well, to roll. We'll wrap up posture, but I was la I'm laughing in my head because when I first got into understanding and studying exercise, there's always that horrible video or graphic in your textbook with the senior person doing the finger warm-ups and uh, the, the twirls with the arms. And you think back, like, come on, let's get into the good stuff. But when you actually step back out and say, wow, these, these are actually so powerful, maybe the delivery and the engagement of the way that was taught was horrible, but the actual reason behind it, you know, it's like chewing your food. We can go into all nutrition 101, 201, capstone, but it begins by chewing your food. And if you're not, you know, some people think, well, who cares? That would be, could be an issue. Same thing with, well, I don't care about my ankle flexibility. I just want to throw a football or I just want to be able to hit a golf ball or or bench press a lot of everything begins but everything we do starts from the feet and then or if you're going to grab anything it starts with the hands and the fingers and the wrists so as we age again we're not trying to create a senior citizen um workout plan but no matter who if i'm training young athletes today i'm working on their ankles well, I mean, I, sprain their ankles all the time 
their strength of their feet, the same thing with the wrists, the elbows. So, yeah, that's where we would begin. Obviously, I, I have some uh, love for golf, and I've trained the MSU golf team and s several players individually, and I would say 90% of them have ankle or uh, wrist issues at some point. And they, but they don't train it, and all they want to do once they do have the issue is get rid of the pain, and then they forget it. So it's a reminder that it might be an opportunity working on that posture. Everything begins at the extremities. As we move through the, the foundation and methodology of exercise, we're both a big fan of dynamic warm-up and foundations. We didn't invent these words. We didn't invent these movement patterns. We kind of put them together in a, a sequence intentionally kind of like rest, eat, move, these are very intentional flow. You don't start with necessarily the, the leg swings before the, you know, the arm swings. Talk to everybody about when you first developed the dynamic warm-up and foundations, the sequence, why you did it, and what it can do for people. Well, I, I think when you're teaching any individual, you want to create a, um, a progression, and you want to have a sequence for it. So again, it's easy to repeat. And so challenging thing we always face is, which was our last podcast, is how do you get people to move more intentionally that doesn't take a lot of time? And so what if you could develop a two-minute to three-minute dynamic warm-up routine that kind of covers the whole body? So we start, start with the, the, the hands and the elbows and arm swings, neck, trunk twists, leg swings. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it's warming up the body. And I find that everybody, they come in or I'm the same way, I'm kind of tired, I don't feel like moving, and then I do that for two minutes and I'm like, I'm ready to go. And then again, we can work on the balance. And then the foundation movements are just some yoga poses that we drew together that work on mobility, flexibility, balance, and strength that takes you know less than five minutes. So if you could get people to say, hey, I'm doing this, this, and this, and that's all they're gonna do, they're gonna get some really good benefits, but it's a great way to begin your workout plan or your movement plan, whether you're going to play tennis or pickleball or go skiing or go into the gym, it's an easy transition. And that's the challenge you were asking it last week. You know, what do you see? I see people walking from outside right into the gym and they get after it. There's no transition period. And that's what this is. Yeah, it's, we call this the superfoods of movement because it's very little time, not anything crazy that has a big impact. And by no means do these cover everything specific. You could go much more specific, especially let's just say you have a hip flexor issue or your psoas is, is bothering you or hamstring. You could, you could get specific about those areas. But this is kind of the 30,000-foot view, getting the entire body warmed up, looking at what, where most people have some limiting factors, ankles, hips, uh, shoulders, you know, just doing a half moon. You know, if, if there's one foundation movement that can kind of tell you a thousand words it's having someone do a half moon and I can't tell you you've seen this too not to kind of tease people but I've seen some half moons where they I don't think they've been on one leg in in years because it, it's not normal to kind of get out in space working on your balance flexibility mobility um, all in one movement so that's one movement where gosh at 80 years old you kind of want to have some awareness uh, of how's your half moon. Well, again, back to <clears throat> the beginning, you know, what do people really want? And so when you ask people and you really get into the weeds, would you like to have more mobility, flexibility, balance, 
strength, you know, whatever it might be, but how are you training for it? And so back to the awareness. So you and I both, when we show people and we do it in groups or individuals, we'll show them and say, hey, you know, let's do some leg swings. Oh, my balance isn't very good. And then we go into a warrior three or into a half moon that's not against the wall. They have no idea where they're at. Like you said, wow, I need to work on this. And as you can work on that, that creates core strength, ankle strength, everything that comes with that, what do I truly want? So I think as we age, when you ask people what do they lose, most everybody will say, I lose my balance. I lose my mobility. I lose my flexibility, lung function. The list goes on. Yeah, so balance is a big one. I think everyone recognizes that. I think sometimes we interchange flexibility and mobility. One of the things that I've been studying recently is my flexibility versus my mobility, and they're different. So one of my limiting factors is, um, you know, taking my leg out in space to the side. So really, like, think about a karate kick. Like, that's a very limited mobility for me. But when I actually have, when I actually stretch that way, I have plenty of flexibility. But I can't, I can't get myself to move my leg that way unless I stretch into it. And so I need to work on my mobility in some areas that I used to think it was about flexibility. So if my hamstring, I can't touch my toes, flexibility. But if I start injuring my hamstring doing some deceleration, that's mobility. What are are your thoughts on mobility and flexibility? Well, the flexibility is pretty simple. It's right in front of you. Mobility is now you're working the entire chain. So now you're talking about the nervous system. You're talking about how the sequence goes. You know, you can see people, you know, if you use a golf swing as an, as an example, people might have a nice full range of motion here, but when they put it in actually practice, oh you're like, what the heck happened? You know, the <laughs> golf pros always say, when I put the ball down, Charles Barkley change. So, so that's the difference. The mobility, in my opinion, is taking everything and putting it as, as a unit of work and you can see that. You see that a lot in sports. You know, people can do things, but then when they get in the action of the game, they don't have the mobility that they might have. Yeah, and so, and so for the listeners, I think that's one thing to pay attention to. Try to test yourself from a mobility standpoint. You know, whether it's stepping up on a step or a chair and seeing, is that a normal move? Does that feel normal? Okay, I can get up, but can I get down? And so that's where we're testing mobility, maybe the ankle, the hips, and you may be able to step up once, but can you do that in a pattern where it actually feels and, good? And now you're getting into proprioception, which is your body telling you where you are in space and things like that. And so now you're putting everything together. And that's what people get excited about. Like, I can't really do that movement without holding on. And then slowly over time, you start training that. Now their, their flexibility is there, but they just didn't have that mobility, that whole sequence going on. All right, so warm-up foundations, uh, posture, Let's get into everyone's favorite cardio. Speaking of that, um, one of the things that we see a lot that we really try to get people to avoid is in the winter months in Michigan, you're going you're gonna to probably use some type of cardio equipment unless you're playing or have some other mo- modalities and you're trying to get that heart rate up. I think one of the mistakes we see, especially on cardio equipment, is people holding on. So whether it's the elliptical, the hands, whether it's the treadmill, the 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 stair stepper where they're, you know, hunched over, grabbing on. 
you can work your posture, your mobility, your flexibility while doing cardio, but let's talk to the listener about cardio and, and how you want to reframe their understanding of what are you going to do when it comes to cardio? Well, I think you, you just asked the definition of what most people think of cardio is they're getting their heart rate up and they're getting a lot of, out of breath and they might sweat a little bit more. So that, and again, cardio can be all different progressions. You can just get people to start walking and if they don't have a lot of cardiovascular fitness, then they're going to get out of breath pretty quickly. So a really good indication is, am I getting a little bit out of breath? Because and that's work, a good thing. You work in the heart and lung. That's and sweating's thing. a good thing. That's a great thing. So, so I'll ask my clients, like, hey, are you getting out of breath? And then the other thing, too, I'll ask them, let's breathe through your nose only for a period of time here. And once they can't breathe through the nose anymore, we know the intensity's going up. So that's a great way to indicate, like, okay, my intensity's getting up. I'm using my ears and my mouth, my nose, everything to get, to get oxygen. So, so when you think of cardio, I think the big... I think mistake is that people think they, the more cardio they do, the more calories they're going to burn. And you're going to burn calories, but I remember we did over Halloween, you know, a handful of years ago, Jason Black was the Krispy Kreme donut man, and he would give every member a donut for how much cardio they had to do to eat the donut. And so people were having to do like a five-hour walk or five-hour run or whatever <laughs> to eat this big donut, when reality is that doesn't make any sense at all. So... We want you to get the heart rate up. We want you to get the hormones going. We want to have all that blood flow, all that wonderful stuff that cardio can have. But I think the, the, the mistake is people spend way too much time doing cardio. And you don't need a lot. You know, it could be five minutes, could be 10 minutes. We're a big fan of the mini trampoline. But, you know, five to 15, 20 minutes is pretty much all you need from an adaptation training effect unless you're going to do some type of endurance activity that you need to train specifically for. Yeah, and I think I think one of the mistakes that you can make is is just doing the same cardio over and over and over. It's like posture that we began with. If you do just the same cardio and you're let's just say for, for sake of understanding, all you do is you run forward. So you're a runner. Well, you, you move in three planes of motion, so side to side is going to get out of balance. Backwards is going to be a mess. And so that's where you really want to have some variety. Now, we're always going to gravitate to what we enjoy. Remember back to getting the body moving from the get-go. But, um, you know, one of the pieces of equipment that's just so fascinating is the gauntlet or the stair stepper or stair master. Most people hate it. But then there's a couple of people that believe because they probably are pretty cardiovascular fitly fit. That's the only way that they can get out of breath and really have the intensity. But if you repeat that over and over and over again, there's going to be something that's going to go out of whack. Yeah, I had a friend years ago that ruptured his Achilles and he was doing the stepper and he just was repeating that over and over and it was shortening and shortening his Achilles. So. You're exactly right. No matter what you're doing, cardiovascular-wise, again, find activities you enjoy. That was the worst piece of equipment. I haven't seen one of those in years. Yeah, they, they're not <laughs> using them much anymore. But, you know, one of the things I like to do with my clients, and again, myself, is do calisthenics. Because you can see a lot in calisthenics right away. Can you do simple movements, you know, like could be high knees, could be fast feet, could be um, jumping jacks. But Why did we get away from calisthenics? Because they're hard. But is it because we were trying to sell equipment? Yeah. Can you imagine if you go to a large health club and you everyone's got, doing calisthenics? Everyone's doing calisthenics. But to me, it's it's much more functional. 
it's much more um, you create again back to the mobility piece, and then it's more ad adaptate you know adaptation is much higher. So then you're and again it's like it's much more practical. Yeah, it's much more practical because it really fits every day. You're working on balance flexibility. The other thing you mentioned earlier is that really gets back to training specificity. So if I've never swam before, and then I go in the pool and start to swim, <laughs> cardiovascular wise, I'm going to be a mess. Yeah. It's no different than anything else. When you see people doing anything that's out of their norm, so that's kind of the fun thing is experiment a little bit about your cardio. Instead of doing the same machine or whatever it might be, you know, we get people on the mini trampoline here at our at our headquarters. That are and, marathon runners. And they know? get on that thing, and within a minute, they're out of breath, and like, what's happening here? Well, you're getting into anaerobic pretty quickly because, again, you're not used to it. You're working on your balance and all sorts of things, so... I think that's the big takeaway of cardio is you don't need to spend a lot of time. You need to add a variety, and um, you need to find activities you, you kind of enjoy. Yeah, my takeaways are, number one, <clears throat> number one, we got to move the body and do some type of cardio. Number two, don't spend too much time. And so whether that's doing intervals or mixing it up or calisthenics, you don't need a ton of time. And then for the folks that maybe don't like to sweat or once the intensity gets too hard, they want to quit, push yourself a little bit. Yeah, get a little uncomfortable. You said that in the last um, podcast. I like to do the same thing. Let's breathe only through your nose and see how long that lasts. And then as they start getting uncomfortable, but that shows you right away. Now you're getting some type of training effect. And we want training effect. That means we're getting effect. some... some. Even if you're going out for a leisurely walk, you want some adaptation there. Yeah, do a skip, do yeah, side to side, simple, walk backwards. You know, one of the things that I think everybody can benefit from is moving backwards. Because um, now you create the nervous system in its, in its... Again, when I ruptured my patella, one of the greatest exercises I did for my knee was learning how to walk backwards. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Because, again, it tells you where you are in space and your perceptions gets better and your balance gets better and everything gets better. Knee extension, all the stuff that gets better. All right, let's move to strength training. Probably uh, your favorite area to participate in from an exercise standpoint, but I think as everyone's listened, uh, you've evolved quite a bit from wrapping your knees and the weight belts and how much weight you can move. But let's start with the three R's. Range, rate, and resistance. And why is that important when we're thinking about strength training? Well, I, you know, Walt, Walt kind of turned me on to this, you know, quite a few years ago. So when we were training together, and we've, we've kind of thrown ideas where sometimes we get together, we just come up with a bunch of ideas. But, you know, the first thing you're always trying to teach everybody is the range of motion. Because why would I want to do a squat that's only three inches long or three inches, you know, and so that's to the get first. my name on the wall. Yeah, I want to. I want to just. I want to start working on my range back to mobility. So number two is the rate. That's the speed, fast, slow, in between. And so you know, when I was training with Jill and we're working on my hamstring, it's not that I don't have the strength or the flexibility. It's the rate. It's the rate. And so my rate was very slow to begin with, but now we're speeding up the rate. And that's where calisthenics come in. And well, think about playing. It. You're not going to always be able to control your rate, and that's where injury happens. Right. And so if you are trying to prevent injury of practicing different rates. Yeah, practicing different rates, and the last one is resistance, which is number three. So we're and not going to work on a lot let's, of resistance. Let's stop there. You know, Think about how most people learn strength training. What's, what's the first R and probably the only R? Yeah, it's like how much weight can I push? 
Yeah, so, so the, the key is roll out the dumbbells, and here we go. Yeah. So again, if you wanted to make any movement more challenging, just increase the range and change the rate. And when you do that, like, for example, I had a, a guy in here the other day, and we were just working with light dumbbell chest presses. And so the first thing we worked on is the range. We got to get his range correct because his range was not good. It was very short, and he was having shoulder issues. We made the, made the resistance lighter, and we increased the range, and then we really worked on the rate. And it's really about muscle under tension. And so when people think about what's the benefit of it, it's the muscle under tension. So how do you make more muscle under tension? You Slow change the rate. the rate. Right. So we went and we did pauses. We did a pause at the bottom. We did a pause at the top. And then we changed the rate. We were doing a two-second you know, movement coming down and a two-second movement coming up. Then we went to a three-second. And then he's we gassed. went to a one-second. Yeah. And the next thing you know, he's like, oh, my gosh, it's like a Rubik's Cube. You can constantly change it. Yeah, that's the benefit. That's the fun part. Yeah, I remember when we did our, our fitness DVD, and you had some little little bitty dumbbells up front smiling, and, and you're toying and talking about rate <laughs> and range. And unfortunately, I had the bigger dumbbells in the back trying to do the same rate and range as you're smiling in the front. That didn't, didn't last for me. Because those three R's they're going to have to have some variability. So if your range increases, your resistance probably so, will decrease. So stop there just for a second. So when you look at what do you really want? And so to me, can you go through a really great range of motion with great intensity, with all that stuff here, but can you do it correctly? Can you maintain your posture and everything else? And I'll have clients, they'll, they'll do, let's just say, a, basically a, a side raise, which you were talking about. Does that bother you with no weight? No. Does that bother you with this weight? No. Well, let's take that weight and make it more challenging, and it doesn't bother you. You give him this, the little heavier weight, that bothers me. So that's where when people get it wrong, they're like, I can't do that movement. Well, sure you can. We just have, we work your range. Yeah, if, if you can't do range. an iron cross, you're probably yeah. not going to start then, with an iron cross. Yeah, so that's, that's the key is now when you're in the strength training room or in that environment, whether it's with weights or resistance or whatever resistance you're looking at, just think about the three R's and the ranges first. You know, we'll do squats on a pad. We show a squat where you have great range and you have a squat where you have very little range. So that's the fun part. And now, we, without making this so complicated, but that's how it all begins. Let's work on those three things in, the, in that order. I think one of the areas that there's, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but let's talk about our favorite way to do it is how to design a strength training program um, you know, we talk about a three-day split strength training routine. Let's take the listener through through some of that methodology and what we believe. Or and it's not even what we believe; it's what we've found is sustainable and can kind of give us the variety. Well, the first thing, again, w when you're listening to this or watching it, is that where are you? Let's start right from the beginning. Where are you? What's your skill level? What? How much time have you spent in the gym? All that. What do you truly want? And then from there. Let's make it. Le let's make less as, be as best. So I'll start out with two lower body exercises for everybody. It's going to be some type of squat and some type of lunging or step up. That's it. We're going to start with that, and then we'll we'll give a couple variations of that. And then upper body is going to be some type of movement like a push up, whether it's modified or whatever, and some type of lat pull down or row. So that covers lots of ground. Those are the big four movements I teach everybody. 
And I teach him how to scapula retract. I teach him how to use the scapula. You teach about alignment and the feet and the ankles and all that kind of stuff. Once they get that foundation, now they got it. You can go anyway. And now we start building from there. That's where I think everybody gets it wrong. Like if I'm teaching us, we were talking about this last time, I wouldn't be taking somebody to a leg press at a health club when they have no idea how to use their core. <laughs> but it's easy. It is easy, but it's easy to, to hurt yourself over time. So once people get that basic movement of a squat and some type of step back or lunge, chest press movement like with dumbbells or a push-up and some type of lat or row, then everything else. Well, here's, here's two, two nuances to what you're saying. One great way to teach somebody how they're moving in space is to do some type of seated but elevated butt row. So instead of locking your feet in or taking a machine where you're kind of already sitting, you squeeze the bench with your legs, you elevate your butt a little bit, so you're actually kind of doing a little bit of a lunge or a squat while doing the row. And again, back to rate, range, and uh, resistance, you're going to find that now we're actually working the body, not just moving the weights. Because moment, you got momentum that could be happening, different machines, different angles, different levers, but actually how we move in. Yeah, and I think when you think of what is strength training, to me, it's you're trying to create more synergy in, throughout the body. Yeah, it has nothing to do with more the balance. weight. It's just tell, a measurement. Yeah, I tell people, you turn the lights off in the gym, your body has no idea what you're doing. So if you looked at, like when you're talking about a row, whether it's a standing row or a row that's seated, but you're not, you're hovering off that. Now you're engaging everything. You're engaging your core, your legs, you know, your posture. Well, one of the things that I love about it is, you know, a lot of people complain sometimes at gyms that they don't have enough weight on the stack because they're just trying to use as much leverage and momentum. But you start doing stuff like that, you can't even get to the half the stack. Well, the other thing too, now you're getting away from the, the, the third purpose. R as the only only yeah, R. And the purpose of the movement. I mean, when people are doing a, a lat pull down, if they can't scapula retract, it just turns into a bicep movement. You know, they're, <laughs> just, they're just thrusting themselves up. Or a bicep, bicep tendonitis movement. Yeah, so now you're looking at how do I scapula retract? Or I mean, I'm doing a row. You scapula, you, you retract the scapula and then you release the scapula. So now we're creating a nervous system. Like, what muscles? I used to have, you know, my clients, I'm like, where do you feel this? And they were like, oh, I feel this over here. And I'm like, wow, that's not where we wanted to feel it. <laughs> but that takes time. That takes practice. But then, back to what we talked about last time, is now you're in the moment, and you're actually feeling the movement, which creates lots of benefits over time. So that's the challenge when you start out. I have everybody so, so light resistance, work on full range. They've, I, we, work, we change the rate around, and now they build this foundation that they have every from the rest of their life. That's what I, I teach them all the time. I'm like, let's start with the basics, and those are the big four. That's how I start. Yes. So the takeaway to me is <clears throat> you got to perfect the ordinary. That's kind of the last pieces. But taking whatever you're doing, perfect the ordinary, understanding the the how the body's designed to move. The split routine to me is, okay, if I'm going to do chest, I'm going to do back. If I'm going to do the shoulders, I'm going to do the arms. If I'm going to do lower body, I'll add the core. Just to give your, your body a chance to recover. Because if all we do is total body every single day, yeah, again, so it's back to that cardio. It's kind of like the same thing over and over. The body's not going to. Yeah, so let's ramp that up a little bit more. 
So you start out with those big four, depending on. But if you got somebody that's already super fit, they're already into this stuff, then we'll split this thing up to create more intensity, to create less time. And so now for them to know what they're planning to yeah, do. So now now we're going to in that same workout, we're going to work on your balance, mobility, flexibility, strength routine might be uh, a split like you're doing chest and back one day and some core and the list goes on. So now we've and then we're now we're changing the reps and sets and all sorts of different things like that. So there's a lot to it. But I think the big thing, no matter where you are in your fitness level, I would start out with the basics of the three R's and then really f focus on your technique and your form. And then from there, it's just a playground. And if you're the most out. experienced strength trainer, I would even more emphasize the three R's because you might find a window or an opportunity that you didn't think exist. Like I hit the ceiling. Let's just say I can only move so much weight. Oh my gosh, I created some training effect and now I've got some results that I haven't seen in a while. And, and, and again, back to compensations, we all have them. You know, where, where's your weak links? And that's sometimes when you, you know, when I go see Walt or you see Walt or, you know, I'll see Jill or whoever you have in your posse to help you, because nobody needs to do this by themselves. Well, I, I was going to, I put that down here. I think one key is if you're thinking and listening to this, like I'm, I'm kind of lost. I think anybody can use a coach, a trainer, a mentor, a, a, someone to guide, um, and we've talked about us specifically using guides and mentors because you sometimes can't see what you can't see. And, and big part of this is that I've had people, like, they come see us. Man, I wish I'd have come see you 20 years ago. Well, why didn't you? Well, I kind of thought I knew it. Well, wh why would you think you know that? I don't know your world. So don't feel bad at all. Again, just to get some instruction to help you find some blind spots and then create a little bit more fun and engagement with what you do. And I, you know, like, you know, I love golf. I love taking lessons. Doesn't always, you know, show up in the golf course, but I really like to learn and say, okay, okay, I got that. And then you hit that great shot. But I think the same thing in the gym, you know, when people start learning what they need to do and they start feeling like, wow, I have much more control over what I'm doing versus I don't really know what I'm doing. I just go that sit in this machine and I repeat it over and over and over and get little training effect. Yeah, once you, it's like how we say it all the time. Both of us feel like we don't know anything. So the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. And once you feel like you don't, you don't have to feel like you don't know anything, but you get more curious and then you actually start to And I think, do I it. think just to let the viewers know, like if you go out on YouTube, you can find all of our, there's tons of videos sure. of dynamic warm up, strength splits, the list goes on. And I think the newest thing that we've really been promoting for quite a few years is restorative movements. And I'm like, I was showing your mom last night, her hip was bothering her, and just some simple things that help relieve her hip and her back. These are type restorative type movements, back to movement. And I think that everybody can benefit from doing some of that stuff. So as we wrap up part two and this concept of motion creates positive emotion, we've talked about it before, we'll talk about it again. But to me, I, I train to play. And if you're thinking, well, I don't play, I think the takeaway is let's start finding ways to play. Well, you know, one other thing, too, you said this last time in the podcast that people want to move. You're training to move. And I think that's where, whether it's play or a move, that I think everybody listening to this right now would love to continue to move the rest of their life. 
And sometimes we're, we limit that because we don't train to move. And so I think whether it's play or move, it's all kind of one thing. It's, but. it's like money. You know, you, you, you save for retirement to have the financial freedom to do what you want. You may not need X amount of dollars. You may not need to jump high and do in some movement patterns, but it's the freedom to do it when you want to do it. And so you got to train for you got to train for it. You have to invest in it. You have to prioritize it. And you can't say, "Well, I." It's because of genetics. We got a we got an opportunity, all of us, to kind of look at our lifestyle and say, "What can we do at the level that you know we have values and beliefs around to." to give us the outcome in the future that we, we want to have. And, you know, to me, I want everyone to take away all the things we talked about, but also look at their life and say, when did I stop playing? Or am I still playing? And because we know that when we play, we're happier, we're healthier, and I think you're going to start moving more because you want to move more because you got that extrinsic, intrinsic yeah. <laughs> motivator of playing. I think the same thing, you know, like, I was looking at this year, um, we go on snow skiing, but like I'm going to buy a season pass up north. Well, you, you know, you get the senior citizen discount, but I, I can't imagine not snow skiing. I don't know when I would quit snow skiing or even water skiing. Now, do I get up on one ski anymore and water skiing? The answer is no, I can, but... For me, it puts a lot of stress on my hamstring, but I can easily drop a ski and ski, and I feel fine doing that. But I think sometimes we just have to think about what we can do, and but not feel like we're so we want to shelf it so quickly. Because if you have to shelf it, then maybe you say, "Well, what is possible?" Well, I what got can I, I do? got people my age shelfing it. Yeah, well, why am I shelfing it? So, so again, do I do the same? Am I jumping off these jumps like I used to do in snow skiing? The answer would be no. But I, but I still can enjoy the activity, and I'm not, and I'm definitely not going to shelf it for. I can't even imagine when. So, well, I'll let you know when you shelf it. But <laughs> when <laughs> the takeaway is, go play, move your body, and when you're struggling to move your body, remember motion creates positive emotion. At the end of the day, I think we're all trying to be happy, and movement's a big part of that. We'll see you again next time.